My name's Todd. And this is Kathy. Welcome back to another episode of Zen Parenting Radio. We have a special guest today, but before I introduce her, I always forget to introduce kind of what our show is because I'm so used to just jumping right in with our guests. So what is Zen Parenting Radio? Zen Parenting Radio is a podcast, uh, and what we talk about is uh, mindfulness and things like that. And what's our motto, sweetheart? Uh, The best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. Which is very plays itself very well into very who our so. guest is today. And then so. this is this is podcast number 330. So our guest today is a nice lady named Devorah Heitner. Let me tell you a little thing about Devorah, a few things. Uh, Devorah, you founded Raising Digital Natives, which is a resource for schools and organizations wishing to cultivate a culture of responsible di- digital citizenship. That's a mouthful. I, but I like that. It is good. I like citizenship yes. and responsible. I figured not, you'd like that. Well, of course. Um, <laughs> you have a book, and it's called ScreenWise, Helping Kids Thrive and Survive in the Digital Age. And you have a PhD in Media Sorry. Technology and Society from Northwestern University and DePaul. What did I say? No, just speak. Tell me what I did wrong. Uh, it's... In their digital world. Oh. Toddy. It, it says in the. I'm blaming this on you, sweetie. Okay, I'm The copy sorry. is wrong. All right. Blame her. <laughs> it's your fault. It's your fault. Um, in That's right. In their digital world. I want to say it again just so I don't screw this up. Screen-wise, helping kids thrive and survive in their digital world. So a few things. Devorah has been all over the place because she's in the Washington Post. When did that come out? On Thursday. Thursday, and then Time Magazine. That was also, I think, Wednesday. So everyone is loving this topic right now. And I just saw that because I do some teaching for... You're coming. You're you're speaking somewhere soon. But well, but Elmhurst. But there's something else too in Lagrange. Yes. Um, what is that called? Again, Parent Community Network. That's yes. it, PCN. I get their emails. And so you're speaking for them uh, soon, too. When is that? I think that's on the 24th, but I actually have to look at my calendar because I'm doing a lot of speaking yes. right now, locally and nationally. So. Nice. And that's what I was trying to say. She's all over the place. She's right in now. demand, and she's in our basement. I know. And it's still a little musty down here, Todd. I, I had the dehumidifier on. We're fine. Okay. <laughs> just pretend it's not. So Okay, I'll just pretend Tell it's your not. mind not to believe. Okay, I will. That's I'll work my on trick. that. Okay. Um, sweetie, I want you to start. Okay. So I just want to dive in just so we can, there's, I was just telling Devorah that I read this book two weeks ago. And if you look at my copy, there's just like folded pages all over the place. It's really good. Um, and Todd and I are actually doing a, a screening of Screenagers. In, have you seen that movie? I have. What do you think? I think it's really smart. I think it's ambitious. I think okay. it covers a lot. And I think it raises a lot of challenges and will be I think it's really important for communities to then discuss the yeah. movie and yeah. think about what they want to do about the challenges that are raised. Right. Completely. And that every time we do a documentary, that's always our thing is not only do we want to talk about it before and after, but is this documentary a fear-based thing where everyone's going to leave and just kind of throw their hands up? Or are there actual solutions to these issues that we're raising? I like the word ambitious because there's no way we're going to be able to solve this all. It's kind of taking it one step at a time, don't you think? Exactly. Yeah. I think people will get something from screenagers though because you see, you get to observe other families and we don't often get to observe ourselves from the outside. So there may True. be something that resonates. You see an interaction in the film and you're like, oh, we do that. Yeah, that reminds me of me. And that is September 26th. It's a Monday. It's at York Theater. Go to zenparentingradio.com for tickets. So Devorah, let's just talk about your title. What does digital natives mean? What yeah. are you saying when you when you say that? So I'm talking about kids who grew up asking for our phones, who are swiping before they can talk mm-hmm. and their visual... And the data shows the da- the the da- data from David Kleeman and other folks that I cite in the book show that kids are actually able to do things like make videos before they can read. Wow. So that's a digital native to me. And so it's it's, it's a kid who's a pretty fast adapted user yeah. of some of this really intuitive tech, and especially tablets and phones. That system is very easy to use even when you're pre literate. It's funny because I think you know when our when JC was born. Um, we didn't have iPhones. Those, I don't know if iPhones were around 14 years ago. No, you know what we were doing when JC was born? And again, we've talked about this a lot because we 
kind of learned, I went through uh, the Parent Coaching Institute and there was actually a media class where we talked about the effects of technology. So Gloria DeGatano, who uh, started the PCI, was really ahead of her time. Remember, she would be on like Good Morning America yep. talking about this and everyone would be like, no, tech doesn't hurt you. Like, no, it that's was, when we were doing the Baby Einstein And silliness. that's what I was going to say is we were watching Baby Einstein. So it started with DVDs and has obviously moved to tech, you know, or obviously moved to but I, But now, I mean, I'm used to it now, but I, like a few years ago, I would see like a two-year-old in a restaurant who couldn't really even use words yet and was completely messing with their parents' iPhone and iPad. And I'm like, it's just crazy to see these little brains that are still developing swiping. It's just, I can't get used to And the parents are going to get back that iPhone and not be able to find any of their apps. <laughs> totally. My phone is always different. Mm -hmm. My Even if it's just like my wallpaper, my screensaver is different. Yes. So how is that? And again, this is a loaded question. So just go anywhere you want with it. But when kids are that young and they're making videos and they're they're maybe verbal or pre-verbal or not reading, how is that affecting their relationship with other people? It can still be really positive, especially if there's a lot of back and forth. Mm -hmm. I mean, the, the goal is what we want, it, joint media engagement, you know, which is mm -hmm. at least some of the time I know what your shows are. I know what the characters are. I know what the themes are. So even if I haven't watched this episode with you, I can kind of engage with you about yeah. what you're seeing. Or I'm not giving you an app that I haven't played with myself. And I definitely wouldn't give a little kid an app that I hadn't previewed personally. Is you are smarter than any list in the app store. And the, the bar to get into the education side of the app store is quite low. Okay, so back There's up. There's a lot of dreck in there. So back up. So parents will get a get their phone or their iPad and they'll type in educational kids. And I think what you're saying, tell me if I'm wrong, is there's many apps out there that are in that category that are not close to educational. Or they're just junk. I mean, they, they, they might teach your kids something, but it's not really very engaging. How do we sift through the good and the bad? Well, I would rely on other people to do that for me to a certain degree, whether it's talking to my child's preschool teacher, if she's up on some really cool apps for little little folks, or looking at Geek Mom and Geek Dad and some of the other bloggers out there who are reviewing this stuff with their own families and have high standards. Uh, the rubric I like to use is from a researcher at Tufts, Marina Bears, and she's got a TEDx too. Look, we're looking for apps, especially for our younger kids that are more like playgrounds mm. than playpens. Mm. Mm. So, so playpen is like we're sticking them in there. And yes, they don't get electrocuted while we're in the shower. So they're safe and they're contained, mm -hmm. but they're not really learning anything. Right. I like that. You know what? And I just like this whole vibe of what you're saying, because this is kind of where I like to land too, is we can get something from tech and we all, it's going to be this way. You know, and again, that doesn't mean there there can't be boundaries and and consciousness about it. And like you said, parental wisdom, because we are their teachers when it comes to this, or we should view ourselves that way. But there's also an acceptance, and how do we use this in the appropriate way? Is that kind of? I mean, I've read your book, so I kind of know this answer. But is that how you view it? Absolutely, this is part of our world, and we don't want to. Mm -hmm. By denying it, throw our kids into this world without our guidance, without our values. We want to model how to use these tools well, and we want to be there with our kids when they try things. And we could look at an app together and maybe even review it with our kids. They might decide it's Drek too. So we want to cultivate those standards just like we would talk about a movie. My husband and my son just saw Shrek 3 last night, and they agreed it wasn't as good as Shrek 2. It wasn't as funny. You know, and so it might go back to the thrift store from where it came. Mm -hmm. And that's a great conversation. Why isn't it as good? Why isn't it as funny? Like, what are the things that one, that a child's looking for versus what an adult's looking for? That's a really valuable conversation. And that's relationship building, too. Absolutely. So go wait, ahead. I want to say something to you, Todd. One thing that Todd used to do when the girls would watch a show and he, you know, all the Disney shows or whatever, and this can be on uh, iPad or Are on you a about big screen. to throw me under the bus? <laughs> well, since it's already out there, we've talked about it. Go ahead. Is they would watch something and he would say, "That's junk, garbage, sweetie, garbage." garbage. Sorry, Get the garbage. word right. Okay. Garbage. I am. I'm, I'm going to suggest that we we don't want to be too critical about our kids' taste. Totally. Because we liked a lot of, you know, junk stuff. I, I like to watch The Monkees when I was their age. That wasn't like the world's greatest TV. I mm -hmm. also like Little House on the Prairie, which turns out to be treacly and boring and patriarchal <laughs> all at once. I really right. can't stand that show now. Right. But I must have seen every episode 90,000 times and I wanted right. to be those girls. So I think we need to pick the important issues. Like if we think a show is homophobic or racist or yes. we really hate the way the kids talk to the parents, it's, you know, 
a lot of shows celebrate per, sort of kids' independence, but mm-hmm. if they do it in a way that's super disrespectful of adults, maybe we can say, gosh, I really hate the way the kids on that show talk to their parents. Or or I really hate the way that show makes the girls the butt of every joke and yeah. the boys are always the smart ones, you know, or something like that. But if it's just like it's not our taste, I would – Save your save your disapproval for the really important issues. That's really oh, good man. advice. That is great advice. And I, and I know that the toxicity, for lack of a better term, I'm probably overstating, but calling it garbage is not a smart thing as a dad to say to their kids. Well, and you, this is historical. Yeah, you did this. Don't before. do it anymore. Yeah. But I I absolutely own it. I did do that because I thought it was so stupid. And you know, it's funny. Good luck, Charlie is one of the better ones. But even that, I don't know if you've ever seen Good Luck Charlie. I haven't seen that one. Like the scenes, at least when we were little, the scenes were longer, but the scenes are like 45 seconds. And then they got the tra- they high-pitched transitional music and like all the colors are bright. And that, like the whole event wants to give me a headache. So Devorah can explain why they're doing that. Do you, do you, I mean, isn't that about attention span and Absolutely. everything? Absolutely. And people were really critical of Sesame Street when they came out because they had these really short bursts because they had research that said, hey, kids love the commercials. Mm. Yeah. And so we're trying to make TV kind of like the commercials with snappy tunes yeah. and quick transitions. Some people are concerned about how snappy and how quick and what that means for attention. Mm-hmm. But yeah. then as adults, as bloggers and as people, you know, I'm, I'm always trying to shorten my content to make no adults read it. So yeah. that's... And kind of where we're at. That's the beauty. Again, uh, the reason why I like Devorah's content once she talks about is this is about meeting our children where they are and looking at ourselves too and how we do things and what we do. Because, you know, just kind of jumping ahead in your book here, um, there's a lot of parents who are talking not very kindly to their kids about their tech use while they're texting somebody. You know, there are a lot of parents who are very unconscious about how they are modeling tech use to their children and their children, you know, talk about, I, like you said, I think the parents are very wise in offering the advice um, and, you know, sharing their life experience, but the children are really wise about you are not doing, you are not they is, notice the difference between, you know, do what I say and not what I do. You are not walking the walk. So what is your, you know, what do you say to parents who aren't cognizant of their own tech use? I mean, it's it's a struggle for me, honestly. I mean, just yesterday, me too. you know, I told you I had this crazy weekend with Amazon and I was on my computer in my mm-hmm. bed, which already is like not the, you know, that's the cave of nakedness. And there, right. there I am with my computer and my son comes in to tell me about this Lego ship he's building. And so I closed the computer Um but then I realized I should actually put it away. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I just, so I shoved it under the bed for a minute and listened to him. And, you know, and then, I mean, when he left the room, I went back to my work. That's right. But I really needed to communicate to him, I'm listening. That and is, he's, he's a kid who needs that that opening. That is so subtle, yet so important. Is because I do it. I'm on my phone. My kids will be like, Dad, blah, blah, blah. And I'll still have phone in my hand where I'm kind of half listening to them, but I'm also finishing the text. And I just think that that is really conscious decision on your part. You're a professional. You've written books on it. So you understand how important it is to give your kid that your full attention. So, you know, hats off. Thank you. I mean, I also have a kid who with whom like the relationship is challenging. My kid has some quirks and special needs. And so he is not a kid who makes a lot of overtures to me and he doesn't always respond well to my overtures. So I think there are other kids who will not be deterred by that. Mm -hmm. And so I think we're not damaging our kids if every once in a while we're, you know, distracted or busy. It's good for them to also learn to be patient. Mama and Papa have jobs. Mm-hmm. We have our own friends. We may be dealing with elder care, other issues. But it's great if they can come first at least some of the time and that we have a sense, too, of when maybe they're hurting or they really need us. We're just like, OK, I'm putting this away. That's right. I'm very clear about the priorities in this yeah. home. And it's funny because just yesterday I was doing this. The All the girls kind of walked in at a certain time and I was trying to complete three things that I needed to complete. And so all of them, they're very used to just coming up to me and sharing their stories. And I actually had to say to all of them in a very kind way, I wasn't angry at them, but you guys let me finish this first and when this is off my head. I can be very clear for you, you know, so instead of being like, you're bugging me or I can't believe you're disturbing me, I'm very clear that I'm on my computer right now, but when I'm done, I'm all yours, you know, and then, and they're pretty used to that in this house. So that's exactly what I mean, um, you know, about that we have to be thoughtful about how we talk about technology and recognize that we're using it too. And so let's talk about it in a respectful way and in an honest way. Absolutely. I mean, there are times where I also have given my kids some extra screen time because it's convenient for me. Of course. And I am actually really open with him about that. I'll say, you know what? Actually, mama has a deadline. Um, Do you want 
an extra big wins because mama needs 15 more minutes. And then this is our plan. This is what we're going to do when we're both done with our screen time. We're going to eat dinner or we're going to, you know, go to school or whatever. Frame it up a little bit. So it's, but I'm also being honest with myself about that because I, I think it's really easy to just let it take over and not be clear oh this is actually this is this is a big win for me not just for you right this is a win win. this we're doing this to help me and to keep you busy and then there's a boundary around it of then when that time's over we're back together or we're eating well and i'm you know you you talked about how you struggle with it i absolutely struggle with it and as important as your book is and and as good as i'm sure it is what it for me this is my personal experience regarding this topic and every other topic we talk about on this podcast is role modeling role modeling role modeling role modeling that's all this is. Mm-hmm. And if we, and I, I know that that's the right answer, yet I still struggle with it. You know what I mean? So. Well, you get, there's like something, and I'm just going to like dig into Todd for a second, not in a bad way. Can't wait. But like, there's something that triggers you so deeply about technology. And I, I think mm-hmm. if you were to, and I think we've discussed this just you and I, but it is because it is a, it is a struggle for you when you see the girls on it, or it's this issue of they should be doing something different. Yeah. Playing outside, reading a book. Yesterday, yesterday's a great example. So what do you say to parents who are like, they should be doing what I was doing when I was a kid? Well, I watch so much more TV (laughs) than I let my kid watch that I think, um, I don't want to over-idealize the 70s and the 80s. I mean, the the sort of more hands-off parenting that maybe some of us Gen Xers experienced was good and bad, right? It was. And I didn't have neighborhood friends. I didn't have that idyllic. Like my husband, on the other hand, who was a bit older than me, did have that. And he did walk to school independently at five. And he did, uh, he lives, you know, lived in Evanston where we live now, where nobody independently walks to school at five, but it was a different time. And his parents had started having kids in the 1950s. So even though he was born in 1968, it was still like for them, like that was the norm. And it was kind of great. But he also played a lot of video games and the video games weren't as good. I mean, Pong Mm -hmm. is just not as creative and awesome as Minecraft. I'm sorry, Pong fans. No. Uh, Ms. Pac-Man is not as cool as a lot of the games. So and, and the TV that we did watch, again... There's still a lot of dreck out there, but there's also a lot of positive role models. There's a lot of smart girls. There's more yes. kids of color. I mean, we, we still have tons of work to yeah, do right. on what's out there, but we have more choices at least. And even in terms of watching like things from another country or yep. being able to pull something in that's, you know, say, okay, I want, you know, my kids to see a Miyazaki film and I can stream that. Yes. So we do have some really lovely resources for that our kids. we, yeah. So, I wouldn't idealize the past too much. On the other hand, I'm really in favor of the people who are trying to create more neighborhood play, and that's also happening in my community. There's one mom who's really been great about teaching kids some games in the park. I met a family from a couple blocks away this morning, and I asked about their block, and I was saying, like, hey, can we get the kids more out on the block? Like, my kid actually only knows one other kid on our new Mm -hmm. block, and I'm trying to get more kids out on the weekends on the block before it gets cold Mm -hmm. to try to kind of make it happen. So I think we can have our cake and eat it too. They can play Minecraft and we can also try to get them in the street playing. Well, and I I agree with you. Um, You know, I just talked about how the kids should be out playing. I I played so much in television. I don't know if you guys remember in television, but it was like Atari, but just a little different. And I would play literally all day. So here I am romanticizing how much I used to play outside, which I did, but I also spent days and days playing stupid in television. So I say this to the listeners too, because I think a lot of times we have selective memory mm-hmm. when it comes to what it was like when we were growing up. Selective memory and and the romanticize, the romanticizing the past yeah. where it was oh so different and everything was oh so easy. Mm-hmm. And it really, I think about our generation, um, you know, I'm 45, so I'm older than you, but you know, just how TV became so huge, like MTV was our world and VH1 was our world. And I watched videos like Todd and I played this game all the time where he will play 80s songs for me and I can pick up what that 80s song is immediately and tell you who sang it because I watched so much MTV that I know who that band is and I know the title of that song. So it, that's the thing is I think when we look at our history, we have some holes. Yeah. Oh, for sure. <laughs> right. And you played all those games and you're not a sociopath. I mean, that's the that's the other thing. It's yeah. like we worry so much about what will happen and we do all this effects and we look at really dire situations and look at those effects. But a lot of other kids play those games and even those really games that a lot of us maybe find distasteful and they don't ever hurt anyone. Mm-hmm. Correct. And it may even be an outlet for aggression for some kids to play a game like that, which obviously it's better virtual than... Real life, so I know. Well, that's that's a really interesting topic because we're talking about violence, I'd assume, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, there's you can argue that either way, right? Well, and I think that's what we're doing with all of this is instead of making this like duality right. where it's like you either like it or you don't, what we're trying to find always on this show and I think what Devorah succeeds you know, with this book is let's find those places in the middle where one day it's this way, one day it's this way, all of it's important, um, the connection, the relationship is still valued, um, but the reality is that these things are here. Yeah. You know, so how – and so – Kind of jumping ahead for a second again, how do you, what do you say to parents or what's your take on when kids want the newest technology? Because I feel like we're confronting that right now. Of course. Yeah. When they're surrounded by it or they even see one kid with it and they're like, this is the coolest thing or you guys have it and they're like, this is the coolest thing I want it. I think finding out what they want it for, like whether it's the new app, like maybe they want Instagram and you, you want to know a little bit more, like if your nine-year-old wants Instagram, they might actually be really happy to have your old digital camera that's moldering in a drawer and learn how to use Photoshop mm-hmm. or a, a sort of free online version of Photoshop because maybe they just want the cool effect. So find out what they want. Do they actually want social sharing? You know, your fourth grader may not want that. Um, or they may not even really understand that that's part of what this app does. Same thing with Musical.ly. You might be able to get a little, you know, cheapo home karaoke set yeah. and your kid can go crazy in your basement. And that might be more appropriate than socially sharing lip syncing in third grade, as yeah. a lot of kids are doing on Musical.ly. So, I mean, I think we need to look at what they want it for. And then it turns out, hey, you know what? Your middle schooler may actually want a smartphone because the other kids have one. And then you want to start talking about, are they ready? What are the sort of... You know, because just because it's a winter holiday right. or their birthday does not mean they're ready. Mm-hmm. Completely. Complete. And okay, so again, I'm just going to, your words are so good because when they say, I want this, hey, let's have a conversation about it. Not you shouldn't want it. Not how dare you want it. Not you want to be like all your friends. Or here you go. Or here people. you go. Again, duality, you <laughs> right. know, one or the other. But tell me, what do you want to do? Because I, our thing, um, the decision that Todd and I came up with is that uh, the girls, I have two girls who are in middle school and when they go to, when they went to sixth grade, they got a phone because they were taking a bus. There was a lot of like uh, uh, logic around it. Mm. So they felt like this is why we're doing this. We're not making some random choice. Right, practical need. This is a practical need. Thank you. Um, and then with social networking, I said end of seventh grade. Um, so so Cameron, right now my middle daughter, kind of wants social networking, but she knows that's when it comes. And every once in a while, you know, she will make a musically video with her friend who happens to have it. And I'm like, I don't, it's not about being on musically it's about sharing that with the world it's not about the experience of singing into a phone because our children are doing that quite a bit it's about where it's going that's the part that i think requires maturity exactly and that's that's exactly the separation i would make and that's why i would say you know again your kid who just wants to be artsy with photography right you probably have a digital camera moldering in your drawer because now you probably just use your phone all the time to take pictures so give them that you know digital camera or get them something that they can use to take pictures and then we want to decouple some of those functions for kids. Same yeah. thing with calling us. And I mean, a dumb phone is awfully handy for, you know, your sixth grader who needs to be able to call home. But most of us just go with the What's a dumb phone? We have it. A phone that doesn't have the internet. Got it. Thank you. So like I've never heard of that. Your topic. flip phone. Yeah. And trust me, if you get your kids a phone that's not a smartphone, they will call it a dumb phone or some other oh. negative thing. They're like, what is this? You actually just had upstairs three of your dad's old flip phones. I did. And the girls are like, I mean, they know what it is because they obviously have played with our old ones. It wasn't like it was new, but they're just like, this is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. We have a dial phone and a typewriter on our mantelpiece as like antiques. And yeah. my kid was like, <laughs> you know, and I was thinking like, do they still air that Sesame Street video with the typewriter going, no, 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 Oh, I, <laughs> no, lo- I love that guy. I love him too. But our children won't know what that that is. I know Todd's going to look for him now. (laughs) So while he's looking up the typewriter, so that's like the, you know, about how old phones are or about how high level tech is. But let's talk about the content that they can reach when they can. Can I play the typewriter guy real quick? Go ahead. You can go ahead. I love it. It's genius. I might have to show that to my kids tonight. Yes. Is there is there a cat? It, no, he just has a C. Oh, and he just he just did AT. And then a cat showed up. Oh, I want him to do duty 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 again. Reminds me of Wizzo from uh, from Bozo. Remember? 
I do. Freaky Wizzo. I do. And this is another cool thing, by the way, about YouTube. YouTube is a pain in the neck for parents because there's a lot of stuff we don't want our kids to see on YouTube. But you can introduce them to stuff from your own childhood like this. Completely. Pull it right out of your memory archive and share it. Like we've got our kid on vintage Ernie and Bert, which is way funnier oh. than contemporary Ernie and Bert. Like the old Ernie and Bert, the classic, mm. you know, getting the where, where Ernie's waking Bert up at night sketches and stuff. And our kid thinks they're hilarious. And they're so funny to be now. Right. Because they're so great. But I think... It's been a while because our youngest is nine years old. Ernie and Bert are not even puppets anymore. Is that true? I think they made them strictly into a cartoon on Sesame Street. Oh, that's really would be terrible, but I haven't seen it, I so think, I don't know. I think. And legs. I wrote my master's paper about Sesame Street, so I should know these things, but yeah. it's been a while. Really? I did, about the anti-racist stuff and their pedagogy, yeah. Oh, oh So I got to see a lot of vintage Roosevelt Franklin videos. And again, like, you can teach your kid all kinds of things but it's amazing to be able to actually share with them these videos from your own childhood or music that you love totally schoolhouse rock is what i always shared with the kids and we sing it you know because i just sing it you know that's how i know how to do the preamble like that's how i know because i just sing it from schoolhouse rock and so they'll say what are you saying and i'm like you know here it is and so you are so right and so to combine that gift of them being able to experience our childhood or some nostalgia or something that's just simply funny with the next question, which is the content that is really difficult for us parents to deal with. Like, what is, you know, what do we, how do we talk to our kids about what's out there? Um, if it be violence or sex, what do we say? We have to talk to them about the fact that yeah. there are things that will hurt us emotionally if we see them and be really clear. And mm-hmm. as, as kids get older, I would be really open that you might see naked people on the computer or you might see people getting hurt on the computer. And if you see that, you should turn it off because it's not good for you and it can really make you upset, have bad dreams, have bad feelings that are not, but that not that you're bad too, because I think we don't want our kids to feel guilty and start hiding the content that they're looking at from us. We want them to be able to talk to us about it. Right. Um, but we don't want to put too much of our adult stuff too. I had one mom, her kids saw porn on a play date and she said to her daughter, her little first or second grade daughter, like, oh, you'll go to kitty jail if you do the things you saw. Oh, so yikes. we don't want to scare kids. We want to go a different direction. We want to go into the let's have a conversation about it. And, you know, it, um, I was in one of my daughter's rooms uh, about two or three weeks ago, and they were playing a YouTube video. They were uh, She was cleaning her room, and it was just on. There was nothing being hidden. But the video was actually called Naked with Friends. Mm. So I looked at it, and I said, I go, I go, what's that? Like kind of in a funny way. And she goes, oh, it's just this YouTube person. Her name's blah, 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 blah. And I'd heard the name before. And I said, well, why is it called Naked with Friends? And she was like, she goes, oh, it's just this funny. It's a long story. And she was kind of tripping over her words. And I said, okay, I go, let's stop for a second. I said, I know that you watch this YouTube girl and, and, and whatever. But when I see that, I have to ask the question, honey, because I don't know what that means. So just slow down, take a breath and, and tell me the whole story. So I understand because I don't want to check what you're looking at all the time. And I don't want to be worried about it. So she took a breath. She explained to me what it was. There was no nudity. It was more about being open, you know, but the girl is also an older teenager where I'm sure there's some innuendo in there. I'm not oblivious to that. But that's an important conversation, not a, oh my gosh. Naked with friends is going to get more clicks than um, honesty with friends or bear your soul with friends. Yeah. Just just saying. Exactly. (laughs) They know what they're doing. And that conversation was not to say I don't trust her. That conversation was not to say you can never watch this channel again. Enlighten me. Tell me what I don't understand about this so I can, you know, I can see it. Because like I said, I have checked those videos before and it's just this girl trying to give empowerment, you know. Um, But that's what we do. We keep the conversation open. We keep talking about it. And I love... Again, what you beautiful. And I think I think that also creates a space where she can talk to you if she sees something that she needs some help processing. Yes. Yes. And just being able to let them know that when we say no to certain channels or when we talk to them about you're going to see content out there, it's not about us trying to throw down, uh, you can't do it because I said so. It's for exactly what you said, Devora. It's because it will it will affect you. It will make your nights more difficult. There's information in there that your brain is not sure how to process quite yet. I don't want to see an ISIS beheading either. Like Neither I don't do want to I. see it. I don't want my child to see it. I don't want you or I to see it. I mean, I don't want it to happen in the world, but I certainly don't think it's good for me. Like it's important for human rights activists and governments to know that this happens. And in some sense, it's important for some things to be documented, mm-hmm. but for us to just watch atrocities like that, 
isn't good for us, we can still work against them without witnessing. And I think it's really important to kind of separate that and to help kids who may be curious about the world in some ways to, to recognize. And also for parents to know there's a lot of stuff on YouTube other than porn, yes. <laughs> you know, that we also don't want our kids to see and that there's no filter that's smart enough. YouTube is tricky. I mean, it's kind of, I would say, like a yellow light situation all the way through childhood where with your preliterate kid, you want to be sitting down with them. With your teenager, you kind of want to be walking in and talking to right. them. Um, but very few kids over seven or eight will be satisfied by kids YouTube. <laughs> yeah. Because it just doesn't have the, the range. So I didn't even know there's a kids YouTube? There is. It's an advertising supported, somewhat okay. curated. So it's like, a, I would call these places on the internet like walled gardens. Like okay. if you put your kid in front of pbskids.com or you put your kid in front of kids YouTube, you can walk away and be reasonably confident, maybe not 100%, but reasonably confident that they're not going to see something terrible. Mm -hmm. um, but once kids get older and they, they know the big world is out there, they're more curious. Yeah. And they're like, well, I want to see another Minecraft video. And the three that you said were okay, I, I want to go past there. I want to see another video about how to make rainbow loom bracelets or whatever. And so they get that the internet is this kind of vast repository. And so we need to help them because it's... Yeah. It's not the most kid-friendly vast repository. And even in terms of just developmental stage reading level, all of that. Well, and I think it's a balance. Like one extreme, you got uh, the parent who prohibits their kids from having an internet connection. And then you got the other side of the spectrum, parents who never check on anything. And obviously the right answer is somewhere in between. The question is... How do you find that balance? Well, and and just to like, again, to sharpen up the words, not only check, but communicate. Because I think sometimes when we see check, there's this feeling of we have to like take our kid's phone and like check their history and be non-trusting of them. Where is if if there is open communication about, oh, I saw this or, or mom, I actually, I was at a friend's house and we watched this. Or, you know, the girls have come home and said, I was at their house, this movie was on and I was like, how'd you handle it? And they're like, well, I had my, you know, my sweatshirt over my face most of the time I was like yeah that's what I do instead of how dare you be in that place at that time right as a kid we did it all the time yeah and I've had great conversations with parents about that I mean we have to recognize that our kids even by elementary school their taste culture is being formed a little bit with friends and peers and not yes. just from us so as much as we're going to show them the cool videos we love from our childhood they're going to see other stuff and it's unrealistic to expect that's always going to be what we would choose right. and it might even happen in our own house i mean it might be us having to call a friend's parent saying like the kids were at our house right i mean we always think it's going to happen somewhere else i know well we have this really funny story one of our daughter's friends um she was with her grandparents one weekend and she came home and told her parents she watched the shawshank redemption and her parents were like what and she was five at the mm. time she was really young and they were like what yeah you oh, know? i've got a grandpa story my, my i mean my kid saw police murder wow with my father because my kid came downstairs in my parents house he's we live in an apartment he's not used to a house with floor separation yeah. and he came down because he couldn't sleep and i was in downtown new york talking to some parents about raising kids in the digital age my kid's with me comes downstairs and grandpa's watching the 10 o'clock news and it was the South Carolina police murder a couple oh. of years ago. My child witnessed that. And then I felt, I was stunned because the next day in the cab to LaGuardia, my son says to me, why are the police killing black men? And I was oh. like, what did you see? Mm. Then I, you know, had words with my dad. I wasn't right. happy. Um, but, you know, this, so we try to protect our kids, but some of these things are on broadcast television. They are. And so it was a really, I mean, that's like, was a very traumatic thing to see. It's on broadcast television, and then it's even in like those kid time magazines. And when I'm saying, they do it appropriately, and the story is appropriate. But there are certain stories that have such legs that the kids become super curious about what this is. It's everywhere, yeah. you know. We're surrounded by it. I was going to say really quick. Do you remember when we used to use Kid RX or Kid Rex? Yes. You know, and that was the Google that we used. And I remember when one of my daughters was like, "I can't get what I need for school here." Yeah. It didn't have whatever walls it had. They were it was too, too protected. Yeah. Um, so, did you want to ask anything else about violence or porn, Todd? Because I was going to ask her something else. Um, well, I, it's quite a can of worms to I open know. up. It's so early in the morning for violence. Porn. I know. <laughs> I know. We're all like we're all like dragging we our to? shoulders. <laughs> I know. But in and I think the bottom line, and you know, Devorah already said it best, is that these are things that instead of being afraid of them and being behind our kids all the time and being so afraid of what they're going to see, this is a communication thing. Yeah. This is explaining why this is hard to watch and why we're saying this isn't okay. Um, and if they do something, they can come to us and we can talk about it without being too punitive about exactly. it. Exactly. 
you know, so they know. And that's, I think that's true also with social apps and other things they may do as they get more connected to their friends yeah. is we need them to know that even if they make a mistake or maybe they break the rules and we said no Snapchat, they got on Snapchat. But if somebody's messing with you on Snapchat, I'm still in your corner. Like you that's can right. come to me and we'll have a conversation separately about your choice to do this app that we had said not till later. But the most important thing is that our kids need to be able to come to us even if they may have gone around us initially it's kind of like you know to give it our generation uh, put our take on it it's if it's not okay to drink underage but if you're ever in a situation where you have been drinking or someone else has been drinking call me to come pick you up because I'm much more concerned about you getting home safely and we'll talk about the drinking thing later exactly and it's the same thing with apps and- well and the one thing that I'm kind of wigging out about regarding uh, sex is when we were little we would literally sift through trash cans hoping that we could find a playboy honestly mm-hmm. that's what I we know. did yeah. because we were so curious you know whatever hormones and now it is so accessible and it is you know anybody most guys have at least been curious and have seen what is out there as far as internet porn i think that that goes without saying and what is out there is so not truthful not truthful to the way sex needs to be portrayed to ourselves and to our youth and i just i'm that is like the one thing that i kind of like freak out about like i just wonder what how these young boys and girls, but more boys, I think, are going to handle this information being supplied to them so early and then trying to have a normal sex life when they get older. I don't know. It is concerning. And um, my friend Cindy Pierce and other folks like Peggy Orenstein have been writing about these questions. And it is concerning. We need to talk to kids early and frequently and give them also some alternative information. I mean, websites like Scarletine and websites that are... Slow down. Scarletine. I like, you know, I like what's Scarletine. How do you it's spell a, that? It's, uh, let's double check that. After okay. The show. Okay. I don't want to spell it wrong. Okay. But you want kids to have positive information that is sex positive, that goes with your values and goes with, there it is. Scarletine respectful relationships, you know, right. between boys and girls and those kinds of things. And we, we, so this is why we need to talk to middle schoolers about, you know, hey, you can't be on a dating app because it may seem obvious to you that a middle schooler doesn't need and shouldn't be on a dating app, but it may not be obvious to them. <laughs> right. And I love, I love how this intersects with things like sex ed because I'm very, as far as um, I already teach sex ed to eighth grade girls and fifth grade girls um, in Chicago, and I'm so... That, that's one of those things that I think is just, an, and when I say a no-brainer, I just mean like this is so essential in this space and time because of what our kids are being exposed to. We need to get to, to them before the internet, yes. which means that you don't want your kid to just Google it because they don't know. Yes. And so even if you know kids may shrug you off, sometimes like prepubescent kids are like, la, 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 I don't want to hear this. And then kids who are going through puberty are also awkward with their parents. We do need to give them age-appropriate information. And if you do find out your kid is you know searching for information about sexuality, that is a really important time to not confront them in a way like you've been caught, but just, hey, it seems like you're getting curious about this stuff. Here's some age-appropriate information. Here's some places you can go for more information. It's it's really crucial. We don't want them to just Google it to the answers to life's big questions I because know. what they're going to find. There's a really great episode. Do you guys watch The Fosters? <laughs> I don't, but I know that show. It's on ABC Family, it's right? It's a sweet show, and there's it's a very issue-laden show. It's like issue, 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 but it's a mm-hmm. good show to watch with older teenagers, um, you know, maybe like upper middle or high school kids because you can't talk about the issues in the show yeah and there's a, a sweet child on the show who is gay and he has a boyfriend and he starts to think his boyfriend is interested in moving their relationship ahead sexually and they've only maybe kissed or something mm-hmm. and so he doesn't really know what two boys do and so he starts to go <laughs> looking at porn and then he gets completely freaked out and upset of course and you know, you just want to give this kid a nice book. I know. Here, you know, or even, um, you know, can you talk to the counselor at your gay youth group and like, do you feel ready? And maybe you don't have to also because he seemed like in the, in this particular episode, it was it was implied that maybe he also even wasn't ready, but mm-hmm. he just had no information. He that's the thing is when kids have nothing they will take what they can get. You know, if there is information accessible to them or if these conversations have already started and they have a bunch, you know, they're going to be curious period. Like if it, if it be, if it's tech or if it's um, anything sexual, they're naturally going to be curious. So where can they turn? And they're going to turn to all of the places, but can we be the grounding force that says, yes, that's out there. And that is a thing for some people, but here's how we see sexuality. And this is what it really is. And trusting yourself and knowing 
that it's okay to to not be ready and that you're totally normal. Right. I love telling girls who are in fifth grade and eighth grade because I sometimes get the same girls later saying to them, you are completely normal. These thoughts you're having, you know, the the fact that you're interested in this, the fact that you're not interested in this, the fact that you know this, the fact that you don't, you are not alone. And there's like such a collective sigh mm-hmm. of they're they're thinking they're the only ones. Well, and then we also want to have them not judge each other because kids are judging each other on these issues. And we, we want to see what our kids discernment. No one wants the kid who sexts. Everyone wants their kid to be the one that doesn't make this mistake. But when we see the mom of the kid who did take the naked picture, we don't want to cross the other side of the the grocery store to avoid that mom because it could be our kid next first of all we don't know the things that our kids have done we don't always we might hear about it last Mm -hmm. um and we don't want to be so judgmental because we don't want to create these worlds too where kids are who are just young and exploring their sexuality and are curious and kind of clueless too about maybe social conventions get just destroyed emotionally by the community judging them Mm -hmm. for maybe what was a split second harebrained decision when we made a million of those. I mean, I can think of a million things I did in middle school that I would never want to be broadcast in a, in a wider way. And I, you know, sometimes I am kind of grateful that social media didn't exist. Me too. Oh, how much harder it is now. You know, the fact that not everything, but a lot of things are documented to your point. We made so many stupid decisions as individuals when we were young and nobody ever knew about it. And it's and not, o- not only did we have to deal with our peers and our parents, but now kids in high school and college have to think about their work life mm-hmm. is if you have something on social networking that a, um, you know, a potential employer can find yeah. and you posted it two years ago, mm-hmm. you know, that can still keep you from getting a job. I mean, there's just, and this is to have the word that keeps coming to me is compassion. Yes. Again, that story of to not assume that, oh, that child did that. Oh, you can't hang out with that child or whatever, or that family is compassion is we've all been there. Right. You know, everybody has made mistakes and, and we really need to teach our kids a kind of an idea of repair. Like yeah. what do you do if you make that joke in a group text and now all your friends think you're a jerk because it didn't land well. Well, a lot of us experiment with different kinds of humor and we, we, we we may see something that works well on late night TV and then we try it in sixth grade and all our Doesn't friends, land. you know, think we're mean. Well, we don't want to be so judgy. We want to say, OK, you know, if, if that friend comes and says, I, I'm sorry, that that joke didn't come out very well. We don't want to just be unkind. We want to right. say, OK, you're back in, you know. Right. OK, you're good. So repair. the next time it's going to be us and we all make mistakes. I mean, I, I've made mistakes with my social media and email and texting, too, and cause conflicts. And then you, you, you own it and you go forward and you hope that the other person has some compassion for you. So good. So can I say those two things real quick, Todd, before you move on? Sure. Own it, responsibility and accountability and repair which I think about is giving our tool or helping our children with tools to repair. First of all, emotional tools, which are your normal. This has happened to the best of us. So I love that. And then literal repair. What can you do? What can you say? And responsibility is the biggest part. Walking towards someone or texting someone and saying, I, you know, what I just said, I didn't realize that, you know, I would offend you. I'm so sorry. Instead of trying to defend mm-hmm. So I love that. So I have three things. One is uh, I feel uh, I'm now recognizing that you are an abundance of resources because I'd never heard of scarletine before. Um, and I have a teenager. It's uh, scarletine, S-C-A-R-L-E-T-E-N.com. And it's sex ed for the real world. So I haven't vetted this website, but I'm guessing it's pretty good. And then I never heard of the Fosters before. Mm. That might be fun to watch with our 13-year-old. I don't know. And then- I would preview it first because the issues are intense and there is some, you know, kids in high school having sex and things like that. So you have to decide oh, if you're comfortable it. with it. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Thank you for that. And then the last thing is Kathy teaches a class at Dominican University and she decided that this fall, your class is going to be on empathy. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, uh, and your TED Talk, I don't know how many times you used the word empathy, but it was a lot. And that's when I knew that we were going to get along just fine because that's something that we talk about on the show all the time. So, so uh, what is the title of your TED Talk, Deborah? It's- it's a TEDx and it's empathy is the app. So it's really about the idea of I have these kids create apps when I do workshops with kids to solve common problems. We'll brainstorm about stresses around technology and sometimes I'll focus them on stresses around their parents and technology and it'll be, you know, a huge critique of what their parents are doing with tech. Yeah. So you, sometimes we'll work on peer issues. And so peer issues might be my friends will text me all the time. I'll just be in the shower and I'll come back and I'll have 30 texts from the same friend, you know, texting impatience. And then they develop these apps 
that solve for problems. And this is all in the space of a workshop. So they're just prototyping and drawing a picture of the app, maybe saying a few things. And then if we have time, I'll have them create like an ad for the app. Like, you know, get this app and your parents will stop texting when you talk to them. And so I've had many kids create various, you know, versions of an app that you talk to your parents and it shuts their phone down, Mm. which is kind of a genius app. Yeah. And they have compassion for parents. Sometimes they will actually say something like, well, it could be important, so I'll give them 30 seconds yeah. the phone. Like everything's been thought through every way, shape yeah. and form. Yeah, and so, but it's a great way to to come up with some solutions. But what then when I tell them is, look, we don't have this app yet, but empathy is the app. Like whether it's a, a parent listening to his or her child or whether it's a peer when we're texting them and, and we can't reach them, just close your eyes, picture your friend eating dinner with her parents, Mm -hmm. doing her homework, outside, shooting hoops in the driveway. She can't answer you right now. It's okay. It doesn't mean she hates you. Right. Because that's the instant leap. And even as adults, sometimes we go there when we don't hear back from people. I know. We think, And we don't even try texting again. We're like, oh, well, they didn't text back. You know, um, one thing we did with both of our kids very early, right when they got their phone, was we said, um, at night, you have to plug it in downstairs. Which to us didn't seem like that big of a deal um, because we just wanted to give them separation from tech. But what's been helpful, at least from what they've told us, is it's not just about our needs got met, but when they go to bed, they know that they're turned off. So meaning that in the morning, their friends have gotten used to the fact that they can't text after a certain time. So they're kind of like out of that night loop, which you would think would bother them. But actually, they're like, ah. You know, they don't have to respond it's after really a certain positive time. boundary to give yeah. kids and for kids to be able to just say, I don't text after nine or whatever right. it is. And then they, their friends will know. Their friends know. And we need to sort of reinforce in the community, hey, if you know your friend doesn't text after nine, don't text them after right. nine. Right. Well, and plus they can use us as the scapegoat. Sorry, man. Mom and dad, you know, they shut me down at nine or whatever it is. Right. And they don't have to burden the, how come you don't want to... I don't have a choice. Yeah, I'm always like, just, I'm your scapegoat if you ever need it. So uh, the big thing we always hear about technology when it comes to our teenagers or our kids, it can be young kids too, is their social skills, right? You hear it all the time. So what do you say to parents who are like, kids don't know how to be social, kids don't know how to look each other in the eye? Is this true or how should we look at this? Kids still really want to be with each other in person. All the Mm -hmm. research shows that Kids want to hang out. And sometimes it, you walk into the, a room full of them hanging out and they're all looking down at your phones. And I'm like, is this, is this hanging out for you? Right. But there is also some shared, you know, so you'll see them look at a text together. And sometimes, again, we, we might look at the, a social practice of reading someone else's text and say, that's, that's a weird social practice. We wouldn't have done that. But we would have. We would have gone over what happened at school or that someone said this to someone else. And it was called gossip and it happened. Yeah. So I think... We don't need to feel so much despair about kids' social skills. That said, if you want to be the parent who unplugs kids at a party, and especially for an overnight, it could be really smart because kids' discernment and good ideas don't get better with lack of sleep. So by 2 a.m., your smart, responsible kid may be making some really dumb decisions Mm -hmm. about what to share, and other kids who aren't at the party may not need to see pictures from that party. So it so, could be good to, sh- to shut them down. But I, I think the real social skill of the digital age is to know when to, to come back to repair, to know when to take that in person. Like if I hurt your feelings, I may not be able to solve it. My husband and I could be texting and things could go kind of off. I might have to say, okay, let's talk about it when we're at home because we might get to a point where feelings are so hurt or aroused that we actually need to be face-to-face and be in each other's presence. And our kids need to know that skill as well. And sometimes when a friend is really hurting too, when do we need to show up? And that's also a much smaller number. Like we might have 300 Instagram followers, but who actually shows up for you when you're in a bind or having a bad day or if something really bad happened in your family and you were really struggling emotionally, you know, you probably have one, two or three friends that would actually be at your door. Right. And so those are the, (laughs) there's a difference between friends and friends. Right. And they're really, it's almost like we need new words, you know, and again, I guess we, you know, on Facebook, it says acquaintances or, or people that I used to know, but they're really, you know, the fact that we say friends and social networking, these aren't really the people that we are face to face with all the time. They're just people that we happen to follow or we're interested in their lives. Well, it's funny. You said, um, unplug their phones, uh, for a sleepover. Like I've never even thought about that. Like to... You know, I think what you're suggesting is, hey, kids, if you're going to sleep over, give me your phones. Is that what you're suggesting? After a certain hour, it may be a smart call. Um, Just because the the sort of collective group decision making after, you know, midnight or 1 a.m. in a group of middle schoolers might not 
it might not get better and better. Yeah, right. No, it's yeah. good. Yeah, their their inhibitions kind of fade away when they're exhausted. And, and there's more of them. And there's more of them, so there's a little more peer, peer interaction going on. It's kind of like Carol Seaver from, uh, what's the TV show, Kirk Cameron one? Growing Pains? Growing Pains. She said, did you ever watch Growing Pains? Yes. She said, Carol said to Mike, Mike was that crazy, nutty teenager, Kirk Cameron. Kirk Cameron. Yeah. She goes, the more there are of you, the dumber you guys get. And it's tr- that's true for adults. That's the whole mob mentality. And speaking of, we were playing the music game this weekend, and we were doing uh, – so it's just this game that Todd and I play with my family sometimes. And we picked TV themes, and I picked the Growing Pains theme, which I think is great. And I got, like, zero points. None of you guys liked it. Show me that smile. Sing it for us, sweetie. I'm not going to do that. Gave me zero points. This is Carol Seaver. She was a good mom, and yes. um, what Jason Seaver? Jason. Do you remember that episode where uh, my Kirk Cameron and his dad are going to Bruce Springsteen concert? Yes. And then he's like having authentic so much fun, fun with his dad, and like this news reporter uh, interviews him real quick, and like they're like totally like buddies, and. Uh, Kirk Cameron's character's friends just rip him apart because oh, he's friends with for his having dad. fun with his dad. That's yeah. so awful. I know. <laughs> I know. Just that. And again, every sitcom is always this heightened experience. But you know, it's that little bit of um, you know, I my dad. We get along, but he's not that cool. Like yeah. we have to have that little bit of separation. Right. But I think that's one reason why our kids we should be asking them before we share them on social media yes. because. You did you know, that last night, sweetie. They're they're really they may not want you know like the cute picture of my seven year old eating cupcakes, you know, with icing all over his face. He might not want his friends to see that. And there's other ways like we might make our teenagers feel very undignified and uncool, and they might feel more free to hang around with us and be uncool, which we want mm-hmm. if the cameras go away. Totally, and we that is um, that's in Devorah's book, and it's also something that. I think is important to us. You did that last night. Yeah, I do it all the time. I I had a I we were like I said we were playing the music game on Saturday night and I took some funny pictures of Todd and JC my oldest is in one of them kind of given a peace sign so I was going to post it and I said JC you're in this would you prefer that I don't put this on Instagram even though there's nothing in a pro like there's the. It, I agree with you but I think a lot of parents would be like well why would you have to ask permission because it's just me because it's her image it's right. her like I'm taking exactly. her well and it's also that you're modeling that and you want her to ask her friends before she posts them and you okay. want her friend her to feel like she can say no so when you model that boundary mm. at home even though of course you're not going to undermine her future presidential run by Correct. taking some super embarrassing incriminating picture but or posting something but it just better to model those boundaries just like the pediatrician will model boundaries with kids it's yes. really positive to do and then you want her to model that with you i've seen kids post unflattering pictures of their parents right that's not so cool either it's i don't want my cool. kid posting a picture of me before i've had my coffee thank you very much mutual respect exactly yeah absolutely and she actually said to me because because of our work we're on uh facebook and we're on instagram and twitter um but when musically came around i mean that's just something todd and i would have a ball with when what but came she around said, musically you don't even know what it is yet but uh, but I was like this is so fun and we would have so much fun and she said to me will you please not do a zen parenting musically thing because a lot of her kit a lot of her friends and a lot of all of our kids friends do follow us because we're awesome no they've oh. We've done some things in town where we, we used to have this thing called BU where we talked about things about, you know, female empowerment. So a lot of them have been students of ours. And so they follow stuff that we do still. And she's and she's always been so cool about that. But she's like putting musically videos. I think that was her kind of like. Drawing the line on the and sand. And I was fine with it because I don't need to be there. That's Wait, really like, not my world. you can sing in the car, but please don't roll the window down. Thank you. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Great metaphor. Like I respected that conversation. And I, I asked, I'm like, oh, this would be so fun. And she was like, ah. And I was like, you know what? I got I, the, the social networking we need for our work we have. Yeah. We don't we don't need to be lip syncing songs. Right. We or might. singing Growing Pains. <laughs> theme song on a podcast. Right. On the other hand, feel free to get a karaoke machine when she has her high school graduation and embarrass her. Maybe we'll do that. No problem. We're big fans of that. Sounds like you guys sing a lot in this family. We do. pretty fun. (laughs) We do. Maybe too much. Um, And they will say, because I actually tend to sing what I say to them 
Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I sing talk, and when they're in a bad mood, they don't like that at all. Well, it's your way of dissipating the intensity of whatever it is you're saying, I think. I know. Yeah, and I think if they're not in the mood for it, they're like, oh, it's like nails on a chalkboard. But anyway. So, so um, final parting thoughts. I mean, we're 55 minutes in. So what have we not discussed that you want to make sure that you get across in Or this resources. Discussion? I love resources, yeah, too. Yeah, well, and I can share some more with you just like via email. But there's so, there's so much that you as a parent know. So just trust your wisdom. If you worry that your kid is too immature to handle social media. I mean, you may not want to frame it that way to them, but talk to them about it. Don't just think, okay, the other sixth graders have it. My kid needs it. Mm -hmm. You know, trust your wisdom. You know what it feels like to not be invited to something, to have a conflict. And so even though you may not use some of the same apps that your kid uses, you still can understand some experiences they might have. And I think there's, there's a lot in the book. There are blog posts on my website. I mean, there are ways that I talk about these issues, but ultimately it really does come down to trusting your wisdom and also making sure that you still have community with other parents that you can talk to your siblings who may have older kids or talk to other kids in the community. Or if you have a great babysitter, who's a teenager, you know, ask them about, well, what, what, what's this app or what, how are people using this? Right. Don't feel like you have to be an Island. And if your kid is struggling, make sure that they know that they can talk to you. It's so important. We do need to have some empathy for our kids growing up Mm in these connected times so that they know it's okay to unplug. It's okay to make mistakes. It's going to happen. And you are who you are. That's right. On and that you are not the image. Right. And you you, are full and whole. And you're not your number of followers and all of that. So we, it's very easy to kind of crowdsource our popularity these days too and count our number of friends. And we should be focusing on the quality of those relationships and not the the number. Mm -hmm. Right. And again, I have to say it, adults do it too. And so to say to our kids, um, you know, oh, you shouldn't worry about that or that's no big deal. And then we go and look at our picture and see how many likes it has. Again, it doesn't register. We have to be honest about this can be difficult, but let's talk about what this really means. Absolutely. You know, this can be difficult. So again, Devorah, the name of her book, ScreenWise, Helping Kids Thrive and Survive in Their Digital World. And what's your website, Devorah? It's RaisingDigitalNatives.com. Okay. So if you're in the Chicagoland area, she has a few events coming up and you definitely want to hear her speak. Um, And then you have to see all of her um, big time media that's out there too. Anything else you want to share? So uh, we want to give away a book, right? Yes. So how do we, we want to do Facebook comments or what? I don't know. Devorah, what, what have you done in yeah, the past? Yeah, maybe folks could share on Facebook either one of their big questions about oh. screens and their kids and their relationship with tech or maybe a story about something that happened that you think other parents would love to hear about, maybe would make other parents feel better about what's going on in their homes. I like that. I like that. So either a story or a question underneath our Facebook post of this show. Okay, so they share it and then the person writes a comment saying, asking a question. Well, underneath, they don't have to share it. I mean, if they want to share it, that's really helpful. We want to share. Let's make them work for it. Well, but then if, to keep it easy on us, it's people who comment underneath the the post, okay? Boring. I know, but then there's going to be a bunch of posts and then we're just going to... Pull it out of a hat, and they're going to get Devorah's book. All right, fine. So we're going to post a show to, uh, on Friday. Yes. We're po- so you're, when you're getting this, the, sh- the show is up. Correct. Go to our Facebook page, see where we uploaded the podcast on Facebook, and write a comment. Write a comment or a question. Or a question. Or a story. <laughs> or a story. <laughs> or an emoji. No, I'm kidding. Just one of those. And uh, we'll send it out, and we'll give them till Monday. Yep. We'll, All right, we'll, we'll wait give you three days. days, and then we'll pick a name out of a hat. Does that sound good to her? Absolutely. And for those of you who don't get it and still want ScreenWise, you can find it. You can order it through IndieBound to your local independent bookstore or any other online marketplace, Barnes & Noble, Amazon. Nice. It's All everywhere. the places. I think just trust yourself, trust your judgment, try to play what your kids play, be there with them as much as you can, and then be ready to help them repair when things go wrong and, and just accept inevitably things will <laughs> Go wrong. That's right. That's that's you the, can't prevent it. It's the digital citizenship is not an inoculation. Beautiful. We gotta end she on that. She uses a lot of big words. I know. I want to like tweet. Yeah. I feel like I should be tweeting. Easy, these Oprah. I know. Oprah's <laughs> always like tweetable moment, but that was good. All right, Devorah, Devorah, thank you. Thank you so much. And maybe we'll have you on again if something big comes up. Yeah, I would love to chat again at some point. And um, I really enjoyed this. This was 
the most fun I've ever had doing this kind of conversation. Are you just you saying guys, no, that? No, I mean, because usually it's like, wham, bam, you know, this was really... I know. It, it was great how you brought your own family into it and... Good. It was fun. We had an hour here. Yeah. Awesome. It was a speedy hour. Yes. Thank you, Devorah Heidner, RaisingDigitalNatives.com. Yep. Right? Yeah. See you guys soon. Adios. Adios. Thanks. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening. We appreciate it, and we hope you'll join us next time. If you're a fan of Zen Parenting Radio, consider leaving us a review on iTunes. This helps people find us. You can also just tell a friend about our show. That's our favorite kind of marketing. Todd and I do speaking engagements about Zen parenting and self-awareness, so if you have an interested group or organization, contact us at comments at zenparentingradio.com. And get your early bird tickets for our big Let's Get Real Zen Parenting Conference February 24th and 25th at the Westin in Lombard. Todd and I will be speaking Friday night, and we have Rob Bell, Rosalind Wiseman, and Ali Smith as our keynotes on Saturday. If you want to know more about self-awareness or conscious parenting, pick up one of Kathy's award-winning books at zenparentingradio.com or Amazon. If you're a guy, I have two resources for you. I coach guys. It's called Coaching for Guys. <laughs> On the phone, Skype, or in person, we set goals together and come up with a plan to meet those goals. The website is toddadamscoaching.com. And we also have a monthly men's group. So if you're looking for a group of men to have authentic conversations with, check out the tribemensgroup.com. If you ever shop on Amazon, you can help us out by first going through the Amazon link on our homepage. It doesn't cost anything to you, but we get a small commission from Amazon. If you want an amazing vehicle to teach your kids about money management, go to the lower right-hand side of our homepage and click on the FAMZOO logo and enter Zen Finance as a promo code. I want to give a special thanks to our three partners, Tree of Life Chiropractic Care, John J. Kelly Dentistry, and Avid Painting and Remodeling. Thanks for your love and support. Keep on trucking.